always like to start off with a story. I feel like it gives you a little glimpse into who I am, a little insight into me. And I, I've been struggling. I've been struggling to find one with Let It Go. I, I thought of some where um, I remember I had dogs that would like eat things and you'd have to chase them like, let it go, let it go. And that's just, they weren't funny enough. Um, because I, I, you got to start out with some humor, I think. And so I've, I've figured out one, and I really don't want to tell it. I don't. But I'm going to because I think it fits. And if it doesn't, it's a funny story, and you'll like it anyway. So I used to wrestle when I was in high school. And when I say wrestle, I mean I was on the wrestling team. I was not good. Um, and I wrestled, and we were wrestling this uh, Platte County, and... I finally made varsity my weight class, and by making varsity, I mean that the guy in front of me got hurt, so varsity. Um, and I stepped onto the mat with, if you've ever seen Rocky IV, Dolph Lundgren, the Russian, that's who I, that's, this is who I was facing. I, for some reason, this was 2000, so 19 years ago, his name was Chase Verdun. I remember it wholeheartedly. Absolutely remember Chase. Chase, I was the, I was the typical... I wrestled 215, don't judge. Um, I was like the normal 215, like still carrying some baby fat. Chase was not. Chase was a grown man. Fun fact, he got kicked out of college for being on steroids. That's why he won this match. Um, that's why. And uh, so I stepped out on the mat, and we shake hands beforehand, and I shake his hands, and it's like, this is not going to go well. This is, this is not... Gonna go well. And there's two types of wrestlers that are really good. There's the ones that want to pin you and not break a sweat. And then there's those who want to punish you. Chase was mean. And uh, so we're in the first period, and he's taking me down, and I escaped, which means he let me back up so he could take me down again. And I was, I was worn out. I didn't know you could get worn out from getting beaten, but I was worn out. And so I escaped. This one actually did. Um, and I was like, I need to get to the edge of the mat. Because if you get to the edge of the mat, you get a break. I needed a breather. And so I'm crawling. I feel so much judgment right now. So I was crawling to the edge of the mat like, oh, my God. I didn't believe in God. I was praying to all the gods. It didn't matter. Um, I need a breath. So Chase... And this is where I'm so happy that camera phones were not a thing in 2000. So I'm crawling, hands and knees. He bends down, grabs one of my feet, and proceeds to pull me back into the middle. Literally, my fingers were digging into the mat, and I remember saying, let go, let go, let go. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. So it was a close match, um, and he barely beat me, like 30 to 15 or something. It was close. It wasn't one of those matches where the score really represented. And it was so embarrassing because I wanted to be the guy, like, wrestling was so cool. I wanted to be a wrestler, and oh, my word, I was not. I just wasn't. But I also wanted to be, like, the football guy, and I kept getting hurt. It just never worked out. And so all these different things that I wanted to place my identity in just never worked out. And then I got to college and I kind of wandered, who am I? And I fell into law enforcement. And in law enforcement, it's really easy. Like that becomes your identity. You're a cop. That's who you are. That's who you are. Then I left that and got into ministry. Well, it's real easy. You're a pastor. That's who you are. You're a pastor. And, and so, so much of what we do is to form an identity to form our life, our purpose. And this morning, I want to challenge us 
But Jesus never said that. Jesus said, in fact, take all those things and lose them and find me. Find me. I love meeting new people. I think it's one of the greatest things ever. First question, what's your name? What's the second question? What do you do? We are defined by what we do. Whether it's a hobby or a job or whatever, we're defined by what we do. We're very rarely defined by Jesus. I get so frustrated many times with, with my kids because they're not meeting my expectations. And then I have to take a minute and realize that what they're actually doing is violating an identity that I want. I want to be a good and capable father, and when I can't get my children to listen, then that violates me being a good and capable father, and I get frustrated. Because an identity that I want, that I think is good, and it is, it's great to be a good and capable father, but that's not my core identity. My core identity has to be Jesus. To lose my life, to lose my expectations, to lose my identity to be identified as the only thing that will carry for all of eternity. I meet so many people who can't sit still, cannot relax. They're going, they're going, they're going, they're going, they're going. They're, the, the term we use now is you're grinding. You're just grinding all the time. I got to get that next raise. I got to get that next promotion. I got to get that new job. I got to get that new truck. I got to get this new, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And we're killing ourselves because we're trying to accomplish something to identify ourselves with. We're going to read a story where one of the characters sits crisscross applesauce. And Jesus says, she's got the good portion. When's the last time that any of us in this room, because I look around this room and I see some good, wonderful, hardworking people. And I wonder, when's the last time that we put aside all of the stuff we have to do to do the only thing that we have to do. And that's sit in the presence of Jesus. Absorb his presence. Absorb his love. Let him tell you you're good enough. You don't have to accomplish more. You don't have to do more. I love you right now. I'm not talking about being lazy. That's not what I'm talking about. Because when we sign up to say yes to Jesus, and we sign up to be kingdom builders, to advance his kingdom, there's work that needs to be done. But even in that, we get identified by what we do for God. Like we're Jesus' little helpers. Sometimes I think that, that I, I've been guilty of this. Like, God, it is probably pretty impressed with all the things that I've accomplished for you lately. You see all the things I'm doing. I go to church this many times. I go to youth group. I, I do all these things. I'm leading some people. We're seeing some growth. You should, God, you should see all the things I'm doing for you. And I just think that it's, any time that I do that, I think it's like when my kids bring me art. And they're like, what is it, Daddy? Real quick. You tell me, bud. And they tell you, and you're like, oh, that's cute. I think sometimes that's God when, when we tell him all the reasons he should be proud of us, and he's like, that's cute. You're adorable. 
Because we do, we think we're accomplishing great things and we forget that Jesus told his disciples in the book of John, hey, hey gentlemen, remember, apart from me, you can do nothing. Just remember. Because we get wrapped up in what we can accomplish, what we can do, either individually or collectively as families, as small groups, as churches. We get real excited about all the things we can do and we forget that apart from God, apart from Jesus, there's not a single thing we could ever accomplish that means anything. So in the book of Luke, we're going to, we've got three stories. We'll see how many we get to today. That's how I like to do it. I like to have more information, and you can ask me later. Luke 9, still in Luke 9, we're going to start in verse 28. I'm going to be introduced to a, a guy named Peter, who's one of my favorite. He gets a lot of screen time. He's got a lot of lines in the story. Not many of them are good. And that's probably why I like him, because he says dumb things, and Jesus has to forgive him. Luke 9, 28. It says, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who are Old Testament characters who'd been gone for a long time. They're back talking to Jesus. That would probably freak me out. I'm not going to lie who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Peter's always sleeping. Gets in trouble multiple times for that. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, <laughs> I love this, Master, it is good that we are here. It is good that, it is just so you know, it's really good that we're here to witness this. Just so you know, Jesus. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. How many times can that be said of me? Not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. I think so many of us are just like Peter. God does something, and we feel like we have to do something too. Peter wasn't okay just to sit and to see and to experience the glory of God in that moment. He had to do something. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when Jesus is arrested. Although the disciples are chill, Peter comes at a guy with a sword. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. Don't you worry, Jesus. I'm going to fix this for you. I'm going to do this for you. What happens is Peter is serving God thinking about Peter. Peter is not serving God thinking about God. He's saying in this moment, he's saying, let's build a tent so that I can come back here and remember this moment. We get so caught up in doing things for God, but we're really thinking about ourselves. That brings anxiety, that brings depression, that brings stress because we're so concerned. When we are serving God, thinking about ourselves, the biggest concern is what are other people going to see? What are other people going to see? And that's why Peter says, I'm going to build this tent. I'm going to build this tent, and it's going to be a good tent, don't you worry, because it's for Jesus. We always say that, right? 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it good because it's for Jesus. It's not for Jesus, bro. It's for you so that other people can see how good you did. Come look at what you did, and you can say, all glory to God. Peter wasn't concerned with the gravity of the moment, and I love God's response. Oh, my word. This is the closest, and, and if your family doesn't say this word, I apologize. This is the closest that God ever told someone to shut up. Peter says, it is good that we are here. I'm going to build some tents. And God says, cloud. Shut up. This is my son. Listen. Stop doing things. Listen to him. Stop trying to impress Jesus with all the things we do for him. Sit still. Calm our spirits calm our minds, and just listen. Oh, my word, I do this in my prayer time all the time. God, I need this, this, and this. I need you to do this, this, and this. Bless this, this, and this. All right, amen. And God's, I, 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 I think God is like, well, I, but then I, well, I, if you, all right, talk to you later. Because I wonder, this is just me wondering, just for myself. I wonder how much more effective my prayer time would be if I stopped trying to build tents and just sat and listened to the Son of God who loved me so much he left the perfection of heaven to put on flesh and bone, move into the neighborhood in this ugly world with us ugly people and die a death that we weren't willing to die. Maybe I should take just a minute Stop building tents. Stop trying to impress Jesus. Stop trying to impress everybody else. And just listen. Maybe I should let go of all the things I feel like I'm supposed to do and do the things that are actually asked of me. Listen, follow, obey, love me, love others. But God, I'm going to do this, this, and this. That's cute. But what we're doing in those moments is we're building our lives. We're building our ministry. We're building our career. We're building our family. All these things that identify us, we're building them for ourselves. And Jesus says, that's cute. But if you continue to build there, you're going to lose your life. And I think what he's meaning is that that's nothing but stress and anxiety and worry. In Luke 10, there's another story. In verse 38. I feel like there's a lot of ladies in this, in this room who have gone through this study probably, read this book. I think is funny is it's geared towards women, but guys need it just as much as they do. But it's a girl's book, so we're not going to read that. Luke 10, 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Good, Martha. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Lazy Mary. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care 
that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, all of us, I got to be honest, I have not met many people who, when they read this story, they're like, yeah, you should tell that Martha because they think they're Mary's. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really good at just sitting at the feet of Jesus and just basking in the Jesusness of Jesus. So many of us, because we grew up in America, we are Martha. Perfect example. My mom's in the audience, so don't say anything. It'll be our little secret. How many of you growing up had company coming over? Y'all know where I'm going. On the f- mom's on the phone, the landline. Kids, look it up, it's a thing. They start snapping their fingers at you because someone's coming over. What did you do for the next 20 minutes while they're on their way? You cleaned the house. You were Martha. You had to get that house ready for the guest. It didn't matter who the guest was, but you had to get the house ready. And then my favorite part is we all played it cool. Like when that person got there, like we're all sweaty and winded sitting on the couch like, Hi. Welcome home, welcome to our house. This is how it always looks. This, I'm just, I was just doing a workout. Don't, like we, we, we all do this. We all think that we have to clean up for other people. Therefore, we have to clean up for Jesus. I hear so many people that I talk to, man, I can't go to church. Man, if I went into the church, that, that place is probably catching flames. You don't know me, I can't go to church. And we've, the church has perpetuated this idea that you've got to even clean yourself up to come to church. And that's exactly what Martha is doing here. She's cleaning up. She's doing all these things for God, but who does she care about? Herself. This ain't for Jesus. This is for her so she can look good in her community. So that she can impress Jesus, which is cool. We should impress God with the things we do. But we're focused, she, just like us, is focused on herself as she's doing things for God. She's finding her value in people and in doing, not in Jesus. And then one of my favorite parts of the story is then she has the audacity to tell Jesus what he should be doing. She's in the kitchen and... and and, and I, I may do this, the, the passive-aggressive loudness in the kitchen. Anyone else ever guilty of that? Like you're in the kitchen and you're cleaning the dishes and you want to make sure everyone in the house knows you're cleaning dishes. It's like you bang some pots around, you drop silverware into the, into the sink so that everyone knows that you're doing something. Any other guys? Any other guys? Come on. There you go. Thank you. I got one honest person. Everyone else is like, no, I'm a saint. I don't do that. But I think that's what Martha's doing is she's making all this noise in the kitchen expecting Mary to get up. And Mary's just crisscross applesauce in front of Jesus like, ah, he's cute. Like just, just loving every minute of being with Jesus. And she's completely oblivious to what's, what Martha's doing. And Martha finally has enough. And she goes up to God himself and says, hey, tell my sister. Dude, actually, you don't even care. You don't even care. Tell my sister to get up and help me. Do it now, Jesus. Now, 
The translation says Martha, Martha, like it's this, oh, Martha, Martha. No, what it means is it's Martha, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This isn't this kind little Martha, Martha. It's Martha, you are anxious about many things. Today's words, calm yourself down. Chill for just a minute. Because Martha, what you're missing is Mary's actually got the good portion. All of this work, Martha, that you're doing for me when I leave this house and go to the next place is going to mean nothing. Because Jesus never asked for it. It's the part that hit me when I was studying the story. Nowhere in the story does Jesus ask for anything. He doesn't ask for a meal. He doesn't ask for anything. He wants what Mary is doing. He wants to teach us. He wants to equip us. He wants to show us the way to be more like him. And instead, too many of us, myself included, I have started this message. I'm not good at any of this. We're just like Martha. We're doing all these things that we think are there to bless Jesus, but in reality, it's for us. We are grabbing a hold of our lives. We want to be identified as certain things instead of being identified exactly as Mary did. Mary's only purpose was to be identified as someone who loved Jesus. First and foremost. Our last story is also in Luke 18. Starting in verse 18. Luke 18, 18 says, And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The issue on the table was what did the ruler identify with? That's the situation. It doesn't have anything to do with money. Money was just the thing. It could have been anything else. It could have been anything else that you could imagine that you identify yourself as. And Jesus is challenging this rich young ruler, you have to be identified with me. Your life has to center around me. I am the Alpha, the Omega. You have, your life has to begin and end with me. Anything else that comes between that is an idol and we have to get rid of it. And so that's what Jesus is saying to this rich young ruler is... Get rid of your thing. Get rid of your life. Get rid of all the things that you have worked to be identified as, that you've spent years doing. Stop. Get rid of that. Put me in the middle. 
And unfortunately, I've been that rich young ruler more than I'd like to admit. Jesus challenged me, get rid of that, put me in the center. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like the rich young ruler and I walk away. Doesn't mean I'm not saved. It doesn't mean I've lost my salvation. What it means is I'm missing out on what Jesus has for me. Because the rest of the verse in Luke 9 is, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit himself? That's exactly what this rich young ruler was doing. He had gained the whole world. He had accomplished everything that this world had to offer. He had all the money. He had all the fame. He had all the prestige. He had everything that you could ever want. And Jesus says, that will not buy what I have to give you. What I have to give you is of so much value that what you are going to give away is pennies to what I have to give you. And we all do that. Every single person in this room does that all the time as we take this penny that we think is our life and we miss out on the millions of dollars that God has for us. We trade this penny that this world has to offer and we're like, no, this is me. This is who I am. This is my truth. This is who I am. And Jesus is holding hundreds of millions of dollars and says, but this could all be yours. Just trade me. Lose your life so I can give you mine. Because his is so much better. That's why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because the life that every single one of us in this room is carrying around is heavy. So many expectations. So many things that we're trying to accomplish. So much guilt and shame and condemnation and stress and anxiety that the world puts on us or sometimes we put on ourselves because we don't accomplish the things that we've set out to accomplish or we fail or we think we should have succeeded. And we're all stressed out to the max. Because we're living our lives putting ourselves in the center. And Jesus says, please, let me take that off of you. Carry my yoke. Carry my burden. It's light. It's easy to carry. It's not cumbersome. In fact, Jesus says, I've taken that shame. I've taken that guilt. I've taken that condemnation. I've taken that anxiety. I've taken that stress. I've nailed it to the cross. That's not yours to carry anymore. Paul tells us that the old has gone and the new has come. When we say yes to Jesus, we are supposed to put away the old self, to die to that self so that we can live the way that Jesus asked us to live. And he really only gives us one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Our commandment is love. It's not all the other things that we do. It, for me, it's not being a pastor. That is not my identity. That cannot be my identity because the moment it becomes my identity, then everything that I'm doing is for me and not for anybody else. The yoke that I carry is love. If you have said yes to Jesus, your job, your family, that is not your identity anymore. Your identity is Jesus and your calling is love. The scripture tells us that we, in Romans, it says that we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. 
And I, I truly believe that the next step for us as individuals, as families, as small groups, as ministries, and as a church as a whole is to let go of our lives. To let go of our expectations of ourselves and, our other, and others. To let go of, I'll even take it down to our wants, our, our, our preferences. All these things have to be pushed aside and put Jesus in the middle. And in every situation, Jesus, what would you do? How would you handle this? What, is, what, what would love do in this situation? And we take ourselves out of the middle and put Jesus there. When was the last time that you just sat still? I'm not talking about naps. That don't count. Okay? I'm not talking about the dad recliner where you sit still because you can't stay awake. I'm talking about being present and still at the same time. All of you are like, who in the world has time for that? We all should. And here's why. Because Jesus didn't tell busy Martha, you've got the good portion. He told lazy Mary, sitting crisscross applesauce at his feet, that's the good portion. That's the portion that cannot be taken away from you. Here's what I realized in that moment. When I, when I was reading that and praying through it, everything that I work for can be taken away in an instant. One instant, it can all be taken away. The good portion that will never go anywhere is my relationship to Jesus. Everything else can be washed away in a moment. Therefore, it cannot be the good portion. It cannot be the thing that is valued most. The thing that is valued most is the relationship and the connection of being still in the presence of God and knowing that he is God, that you are not in control. You don't have to be, nor were you ever supposed to be. That is not your burden to carry. The whole world isn't worth it. Lay it down. Let it go. Let go. Walk in the good portion that Jesus has for you. I can't make this promise very often. I promise you. You let go of your life. Pursue the life that Jesus has for you. Anxiety, stress begins to fade away. Because you get to sit and rest with your God who created you, who knows the number of hairs on your head, who loves you more than anyone on this earth ever could. You just get to be with him and that's enough. Let it be enough for you.